All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! It's a 12 gauge double barreled Remington. S Mart's top of the line. Shop smart. Shop S Mart. You got that? of our time. Say hello to the 21st century. Get out! Army of Darkness. Buckle up, bonehead. Because you're going for a ride. All right, Primitive Screwheads, listen up. We are back to wrap up the original Evil Dead saga with 1992's Army of Darkness. And as we celebrate two years of the part of the pendulum, I am your host, Mike Snoonian. Joined once again by my spectacular host, Lindsay Travis. Lindsay, this feels like deja vu. How are we doing tonight? I am good. I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to wrap up one of my, well, not necessarily wrap up, wrap up the prime continuity of one of my favorite series. Evil Dead Prime. Here we go. Okay. For those who are listening at home, we've already recorded half the episode, except I didn't hit the record button. A first here for the show. So we're going to try this again. Okay. But because we've, you know, have a really big show for us tonight, we have uh, our guests join us. So up first, 
please welcome for the first time on the show, Kat Scully. She is the author of the young adult illustrated novel, Jennifer Strange, where a high school student unlocks strange new powers that bring ghostly spirits and demons to life. It's available wherever you buy books from Copper Dog Publishing. Kat, how are we? I'm doing great. Um, it's actually sold at Copper Dog Books, published by Haverhill House Publishing. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Thank Copper Dog in Beverly, Massachusetts sells signed copies of my hardback, which has surprises on the hardcover inside mm -hmm. the sleeve. Ooh, so definitely cool. order from them. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to be here. This is my gateway into horror. Army of Darkness means so much to me. It made me a horror fan for life. So I can't wait to be on the show and talk about this with all of you. Excellent. Are you more excited or less excited than the first time we tried? Oh, I could talk about this for like hours. You're good. Like I could Excellent. go on all night. So Excellent. you have a free second take here. And there we go. We get to once again talk about our dope Evil Dead shirts. Excellent. So. Yes, yes. We're both wearing Evil Dead shirts right now. Yeah. We look so good. We look great. <laughs> All right. Listeners at home. Also, so you know. also welcome a first-time guest on the main show. He's lent his voice talents to our script reading of Dennis Etchison's Halloween 4 back on Halloween 2020. And you'll hear him again on our Carrie Fukunaga's it Chapter One script. He is the co-host of the Disenfranchised podcast, which looks at movies that never got that big franchise money. Please say hello to Stephen Foxworthy. Stephen, how are we? I am doing great, Mike. How are you? Excellent. I am good. It's been a week. It is it's, definitely this week has been a month. Let's put it that way. It's so, been an hour, man. I yeah, gotta tell you. So, <laughs> but I am very excited to do this movie with y'all. Um, before we dive into the movie, let's take a very brief look, you know, at where we first came across Army of Darkness and what it meant to us when we first watched it, uh, you know, and what it meant to us or maybe a little bit on the rewatch. So, Kat, when did you first encounter Army of Darkness? So I saw the franchise completely out of the border. I started with Army of Darkness because my engineering high school teacher figured out we had no clue who Ash was. And he was showing off um, like this new card game in class that had all these um, horror characters in it. And Ash was one of them and no one knew the reference. We all knew Freddy and Jason, but Ash, who the heck is he? So he's like, oh my God, no. I cannot teach you high schoolers if you don't know what Army of Darkness is. So we took an entire period to just watch the movie. That was my high school. That was It was the best. <laughs> uh, but... I, I think I was doomed to like Army of Darkness because I grew up where my dad, um, my dad's Scottish and he has that kind of right uh, Three Stooges sense of humor. He um, would bond with me watching Looney Tunes. and I didn't know horror could be like that and have that same kind of funny, campy goodness fused together with the gore and the book and the lore and the demons. Like I had no idea that was possible. So it just opened me up and go, wait, there's even more horror out there than what I was already into, which was Dog Soldiers and Hellboy and all of that. So I was like, I didn't know it could be more than one thing. I got to know what the rest of this genre is like. So it made me a fan for life. Excellent. Thank you. Steven, how about yourself, man? Um, 
So first of all, Kat, let me just say that as a former high school teacher, uh, I related so hard to your teacher in that story. Like oh, yeah. kids just not knowing <laughs> random pop culture stuff that I take for granted and yeah. just going, all right, look, guys, we're going to have to have a conversation about this. Yeah, no, I, I felt that in my soul. I was like, wait, no, stop. <laughs> I referenced Al Green to a sixth grader today and they had no oh. idea like what I'm no. talking about. Well, no yeah. <laughs> the only movies like, I don't think we ever watched any like hard pop culture things. The only class we really watched movies in was philosophy. So we just watched like The Matrix all the time. One yeah, I went to a Christian school, so we did uh, Princess Bride a lot. Yes, yeah. I feel like I didn't watch it in school, but that was probably more in the. That was the first we time I saw it any in scary movies. Yeah, no, no horror, absolutely. Um, I uh, so Army of Darkness was not only the first Evil Dead movie I saw, but it was like the second horror movie I ever saw ever, um, which I saw at the age of eighteen at a at a friend's house while on spring break as a freshman in college. Um, <laughs> the first, of course, Wes Craven's Scream. So you you start watching horror movies with the one that deconstructs all of them and throws out all the references you completely don't understand. It's great. <laughs> and I highly recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I, I had that experience. Like I saw Scream before I saw any movies that it was referencing. I also saw Scream 3 first. So enjoy oh, that. Wow. Um, yeah. And so watching Scream, like I knew it was immediately one of my favorite movies of all time, but I didn't get anything like i didn't understand who billy loomis was kind of being like mm -hmm. none of that made any sense to me mm -hmm. and now i'm like oh pig's it, blood it took me several years to come back to um either of those films but mm -hmm. those are like two of my three favorite horror franchises Same. now yeah so yeah i'm i'm all in on those and i think seeing them first was probably had something to do with that uh, but yeah. no, I watched this at a buddy's house on spring break. We had been um, playing some RPG, eating pizza, drinking soda, eating chips, you know, things that Christians, Christian college students do, I guess. And uh, this, they had put on this movie and I'm like, is it scary? Because I can't handle it. Like, you'll be fine. I was like, okay. Um, not knowing if I would be. And they put it on and it was kind of on in the background and we were talking and playing and doing other stuff. And occasionally I'd look over and I'd see Bruce Campbell doing something completely ridiculous, like getting a... a skeleton hand shoved in his mouth or you know getting um poked in the butt by a bunch of tiny versions of himself carrying a fork or something and be like that's pretty funny <laughs> um event like didn't really think much of it after that and then just kind of assembled my knowledge of the evil dead franchise through cultural osmosis without ever having seen any of them and then i saw the indianapolis premiere of evil dead the musical after winning tickets on the radio uh, so it, I invited my buddy, he bought a ticket for his wife. The three of us went front row opening night. Um, were you in the splash zone? Yes or no? Yes, I was. However, uh, it was opening night and they really hadn't worked out the blood pack logistics yet. Oh. So none of the blood spatter actually got past the orchestra pit. Um, no. I was That's seriously like, I was five feet from the stage too. And oh. I still didn't get a drop of blood on me anywhere. Like, and I was worried because I didn't know I would be in the splash zone or that there was a splash zone. So I was like, oh, and I'm, I'm coming straight from work. So I'm in my, my teacher clothes. And I'm like, oh no. They gave then, you, uh, if you were in the splash zone, they would give you ponchos on the way in when I saw it. Oh, see, I was a tiny, like independent theater in Indianapolis. Oh, same. So, no, 
I mean, they don't have that kind of money to buy trash bags for an audience. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was like included in your ticket. It was like more money for the splash zone and you got a poncho. And if you weren't in the splash zone, you could still buy one. And I kind of regret not buying one. See, this was uh, open seating. So it was like first come, first serve. Mm. Oh, and literally okay. the only seats left when we got there were in the splash zone because no one wanted to sit in the splash zone. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's like I know. the reason I go. Yeah. You get drenched. This is Indianapolis. I live in Indiana. It is a backwards place. Isn't everybody covered in like cow's blood in any? Like you have a steakhouse in every corner, like in Indianapolis. We do, but most people here eat their steaks well done. Funny story. Mm-hmm. That's um, not that's not funny. That's sacrilege. That's, correct. That's I like it's a backwards place. Funny. It's Take a it backwards serious. place. You're actually going to get all sorts of like angry emails from people from Indiana going, we're not like that. Not all the Hoosiers, whatever. I don't care. I've, I've been to Indianapolis for like Cedia conferences back in the day and we'd hit steakhouses and I'm angry now. Now I feel I'm upset. So yeah, I mean, there, there, are, oh, no. there are people here who do eat their steaks properly. I'm one of mm-hmm. them, um, but they're like on the north side of town. I live on the south side of town. Mm-hmm. So is everything divided by steak and how you eat it? No. Coming from the South, we have like important opinions about our barbecue and sure. it's all divided by that. <laughs> First of all, I envy you because I can't even get decent barbecue here. No, um, I'm no. sorry. Uh, I have to smoke my own and I'm not very good at it yet. So that's a problem. Um, but no, it's, it's, I mean, here's the thing. Indiana is just a weird place. Like I live in the middle of, uh, of a certain type of country that has become very prevalent in America. And I dislike it very much but this is where my job is so what do we do anyway um evil dead the musical evil dead the musical that's a much happier topic um saw it and after the show there was a cast party at the restaurant down the street they invited the audience i was like hell yeah doing that um got to talk to the actors and the guy that played ash goes you were really great i have a big laugh i like to try to laugh as loud as i can if i'm seeing something really funny in a, in a live setting he goes we should get you comp tickets to come back and i was like i will not say no to that so i called the office on halloween my friend mandy had told about it she was like i really want to see that i wanted to like was contemplating driving to toronto do you mind if i come down and let's go see it i was like absolutely let's do it so she was coming down i called the box office to get tickets i said yeah shane said something about getting a comp and he goes uh yeah we already gave you comps when you came when you won tickets on the radio we we're not doing that again i was like all right that's fair i'll pay and so i paid you know whatever to to go see the the show again uh didn't get there soon enough to sit in the splashes on the second time so and by this point they had worked it out so well that like every time blood went off the front row was getting just juiced and of course i'm like like second row on like the other side so i'm at a completely different angle but no one sprang blood in my direction so I was just very oh, sad. Sad. That's yeah. very sad. They're all like right in front of them to the very front of the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like stage right. And no one's shooting blood stage mm-hmm. right. It was a bummer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then after that, I mentioned just offhand to my friend Mandy. Yeah, I've never seen the first two. And uh, she's like, well, that's what we're doing now. So we drove to the video store. We rented Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. And we stayed up till like three in the morning watching, watching the what? Evil Dead movies. Those were the best nights. And I know for me, like Army of Darkness was just, I bought the collector's edition DVD, like the day it kind of came out. Like I had seen the trailer in theaters as a kid and was like, I want to see this movie. And then promptly like forgot it because there was no internet. You know, I didn't drive at the time. So I was kind of like restricted into like what I was going to get to see or how I could go. 
and then like really like enjoying this movie like so i saw the second one then this one then the original one and just being like i really like it but it's not really strictly horror and but it's really funny um but it's probably my least favorite of it but i know like as time has gone on and like especially like watching this for the show like and like you had just said having it on in the background it is the perfect like movie for eye candy just like throwing something on to have like something that's gonna like grab your attention like every couple minutes but at the same time not be like super bloody or gory for people that are like not really into that and I, when i turned 40 we invited friends to we, we rented a private theater where like i screened horror movies every month and somerville at a little theater and we did indie films and my wife got the theater for us for my birthday we were going to do rocky because that's one of my top five favorite movies so we invited like a bunch of my buddies a lot of which aren't horror fans she actually brought the Blu-ray for like Rocky Five, which is the worst of the movies. Oh no! So I'm like, I, I can't. Like, I love you. I can't do Rocky Five for my 40th birthday. So she went out and she grabbed. She got the Blu-ray for my all-time favorite movie, American Werewolf in London, which is my favorite movie. Okay. So for oh, half of the half of the people who were there who are my horror-loving friends, and I love them dearly, were like, "This is the best thing ever." The other half who uh, don't love horror movies and hate gore, like came up midway through. We're like, we love you, dude, but we got to go. Like, we can't, you know, we're going to miss, we're going to bypass the little, they have like a little um, thing called the Museum of Ugly, uh, Bad Art in the Somerville Theater, which is literally a museum of ugly art. And we had little wine bottles and whiskey <laughs> drinks and cupcakes. And that was where I the need party to go was. There. <laughs> Have you ever been to a Somerville Theater? It's so good. It's just, it's awesome. No, I, I'm new to Massachusetts. So I'm mm -hmm. taking all the recommendations of stuff to do because I've grown up in the South my whole mm -hmm. life. And New England is new and full of exciting things like the Somerville Theater. We will and horror fans. So many horror fans yeah. here. What? I mean, you mentioned Beverly. Like, you're in Salem's back door right there, which is, like, come fall, like, the best place to be. So we will the inundate best. you with recommendations for you and your Wonderful. fans. So absolutely. Yay. So, yeah, we're Lindsay, a horror family here. <laughs> so, Lindsay, how about yourself? Yeah, I don't have, like, a very exciting story because, much like I said in the first two episodes, I watched all three of these back-to-back. Um, it was like a series my friend and I knew we would probably like, and we just dove in and like our trajectory was like, we watched the first one and we were like, oh, okay. And we watched the second one. We were like, oh, okay. And then we watched this one and I was saying like, I didn't think I would like this one. Cause I'm not super into like fantasy or medieval stuff. Like I can't explain why it just doesn't do it for me. It is what it is. And so I thought I wouldn't like it, but it's just so funny and I had so much fun with it. And then you get like this definitive Ash. And I think the last scene in S-Mart is like, to me, peak Ash, the, <laughs> the ashiest Ash he ever ashes. And um, yeah, so it, it like really stuck. It was weird. Like I think watching them all together kind of associate this Ash with Evil Dead 2 in a weird way um yeah but yeah not a very exciting like first intro kind of saw them all mm -hmm. all together but yeah but just think about what you're going to be able to say next week though yeah i'm gonna be like well let me <laughs> tell you mm -hmm. uh yeah all right okay. so but you know what let's start with ash let's start there because i feel like as we've done these movies We've given Bruce Campbell, like, you know, a good amount of recognition, but honestly don't think we're giving him 
the I think this is the 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 week that we kind of got to give Bruce his full props for like what he brings to this role. I am always willing to sing the praises of our good friend mm-hmm. Groovy Bruce. Um, absolute stud, full blown ten out of ten. Walking around looking like that, being that funny. Um, absolute ace. I don't know. I I think we would all agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Yes. It, yes. It blows my mind that he did not. I mean, he one of the things he's always worked. Like that's the thing about Bruce Camp. He's always worked, he, and he's had a had a show that was on for like six or seven years with like Burn Notice. So it's which not is like wild because no one's heard of it, but it's like one of the most successful shows of all time. I've got Remember? most of the seasons on my shelf back. Oh my, here. my god! Have you ever watched like an episode? Me? No, Stephen. I'm like, have you like? Do you have them? Like, <laughs> oh no, I've watched all of them. Yeah, okay. I've watched the whole series. Yeah. I've, so I've even know. watched the movie, uh, the Adventures of Sam Axe, or whatever the the made for TV movie they did with it. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, so, so you're the person who's watched this show. Yeah, so it's great. Here's the yeah. thing: it's a really great show. Is it? You absolutely should watch it. It's fantastic. Okay. I may give an episode or two a spin at that point. So, but we'll he's see. he's he's like, yeah, I'm skeptical. That is your skeptical face right there. That you're making. <laughs> you're, I don't know. You're just the not a Jeffrey. Not a Jeffrey Donovan fan, not a Gabrielle Anwar fan. No, it's literally, there's no reason. It just looks bad, but I'm sure it's great. Like I, I, that's not like, like a, like a hard opinion that I have where I'm like, oh, you like that? Interesting. I, mm-hmm. I have no reason. Oh, it was one know. of those that my wife was like, this is, this is fun. We should watch mm-hmm. this. And I was like, all right. And then I'm not thinking I would like it because again, it's on USA. Do they have mm-hmm. good shows on USA? It's like- um, and then I watched it and I was months. like, okay okay and then i just slowly got more into it yeah see you're the person like i there was this snl sketch years ago which was the first time i ever heard of burn notice was this snl sketch about like who's heard of like what is burn notice and it was this like i don't remember it enough to like get this exactly right so please look this up at your leisure that it was basically like they were like it's one it's in it's like eighth season and it's won like this many emmys like all the accolades that it has but everyone's just like i have no i've never heard of burn notice yeah i remember um, seeing like ads for it because it would have been on back when i was watching like pro wrestling right and you know and i'm like hey this is a show that like that actor who i really like is in it i should watch this sometime and then literally the commercial would end and i would completely forget the show existed but he, the, the long point of this story before we became a burn notice podcast um, <laughs> so, was like how like campbell's always worked but this is his only starring role in a stu- for a studio like produced and distributed movie which blows my mind like i know he was the lead in the adventures of briscoe county uh, that one that which ran for one season on in the early years of Fox, but this is a guy that like physical comedy, 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 great looks, great charisma, and an absolutely like devoted and ravenous fan base that will follow him to anything that he does. Mm-hmm. And no one could find like in the '90s, like the time of like the snarkiest of snark, when that kind of like pattering, being able to deliver that dialogue mattered. How he didn't get like more leading roles blows my mind. Yeah, like we talked about it um, with Evil Dead 2, how mm. he delivers so much Jim Carrey. And like before 
Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, even, and like something that you saw, <laughs> that's how I speak. Um, and something that you saw <laughs> and, you know, liar, liar and the mask and all these, all these bits where he's like fighting with himself or what you get so much of an evil dead too. That is wild that, you know, I guess too early is the same as being wrong as mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember, so the movie came out when I was about five army darkness came out when I was too young to really know of its presence or like what horror was like at the time and all of that. I know it's crazy. I'm so much younger, but I saw army of darkness in high school. Right. And then from there I went, okay, I think from the intro, just the intro alone, there must be some other movies or something with the, I need to know. And at that same time was when Spider-Man was hitting the theaters was when I was in high school. And I remember going and being like, there's Bruce. Wait a second. Who directed this? And at the time, I was like really thinking hard about being a motion graphics designer. So Mm -hmm. the intros to Spider-Man were like, oh, my God, I want that job. I want to do that job. And so I bought the DVDs with all the extras. And I saw Sam Raimi throwing things at Tobey Maguire's face. And I was like, oh, my God, I I love him so much. I just I just okay. That's his directing style. There's Evil Dead movies. Okay. And then I started to look into them when I was in college and my friends had the DVDs. And I borrowed it from them. And I remember just saying with my one friend who owned it in his room, like, I'm watching this movie. I'm watching Evil Dead 2. He's like, okay, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I'm like, I know. And we just watched it together. But I I came about knowing who any of these people were because of Spider-Man. I I forgot about that till just now. Mm -hmm. I I think for a lot of people, that might be the case. When they found out, like, Raimi directed this huge superhero movie. And you go through his back catalog and you see how much of him is in Spider-Man and how awesome that is. The best parts of Spider-Man are Sam Raimi. Right. And that was why I was thinking, okay, wait, why didn't he go on to more things? I mean, it was like Sam was giving him a boost into a big movie. Mm -hmm. Surely he'd get plucked from that. I mean, look at the physical amount of work he put into Army of Darkness. Like the amount of a stuntman he looks, oh my God, good looks. Why isn't he getting Mm -hmm. picked up? And so I felt like, you know, Sam putting him in, Spider-Man was going, hey, you're kind of looking him over, Hollywood. Give him mm-hmm. a shot. Look, he's really funny. He's really good. And I don't know. Like, like, I want more of him, you know? I think he's just doing something so, so specific that it's so hard to, like, slot him other places. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. got the looks of a 50s matinee idol with the sense of humor of a 20s vaudevillian. And it's a very specific lane that he's riding in. And I don't, particularly Hollywood in the 90s, doesn't know what to do with that energy. No. That's not very copacetic with what is popular at the time, sadly. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's also a classically trained actor. I mean, he... <laughs> talks in his biography of like basically from like junior high or early high school like going and studying in theater and like when he went to acting school he was like I've already done all this like I don't need this at this point so he can do and then you watch a movie like Bubba Hotep um, where he delivers like a much different performance like not something that you would expect for him and you're like holy shit like this dude has range you know, like mm-hmm. this guy can do yeah. a lot more. He can do a lot more than shtick and he can really lean into shtick. And I think one thing about Bruce Campbell is like he can lean into that persona and milk it for all it's worth because he knows what the people White literally has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, His career yeah. is being the Bruce Campbell yeah. that is Ashley Williams, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which again, I don't begrudge at all. Like no. his talk show or his game show host bit 
was Ash oh, Williams. Yeah. Even his Ripley's mm-hmm. thing was kind of mm-hmm. Ash Williams, a little bit warmer, but it was still pretty mm-hmm. Ash Williams. The Old Spice um, commercials. I was about to say the Old Spice commercials. Oh my God. Even, I was just like, thinking about those the other day, apropos yeah. of absolutely nothing and just yeah. cracking myself up. His I, Spider-Man oh. character is Ash Williams. Mm-hmm. His Spider-Man characters are Ash Williams. I was going to say all three of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. Uh, even um, his character in Lodge 49 mm-hmm. is Ash Williams, which yeah. watch Lodge 49, everyone. Um, enjoy. You're welcome. Tell you Bye. what. That's a freebie. I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that. I will. That's a freebie for you, everyone. (laughs) Let me write write that down here. (laughs) Um, So mm -hmm. tell me about the Ash Williamson. Like, Kat, Kat, I want to hear, like, this, I think when we talked in Evil Dead 2, Lindsay and I talked about how, like, that is when Ash becomes Ash. Like, he kind of grows into that role. You see Bruce grow into that role. Um, But what is it that we, because I think this is fully formed Ash. It's the Ash we see decades later when we watch ash versus the evil dead the ashen army of darkness is i think who fans most identify with when they identify with this role what is it about ash in this movie that we're so drawn to so i saw them completely out of order right i saw the fully formed ash before i ever saw who he was as Mm -hmm. a college kid with his friends going to the cabin in the woods i saw three and then the evil dead and then evil dead two and that's i didn't see the transformation to ash until the very end like last and what drew me to him having absolutely no context was just it was the one-liners it was the way he was sort of processing it with flaws that i found so relatable that he was not this perfect hero And I was used to perfect heroes in the 90s and the early 2000s. You know, I was like, this is somebody who's like me, who'd be frustrated with this at this point. Who, after three days of being thrown and tossed and cut and cutting off his own arm, like, I've had it. I've had it with all of you. I'm Mm -hmm. done now. I'm going to go lie down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm going to go take five. I'm going to go take five. I, I just, I've had it. And I'm like, that's honestly what I would be like. Maybe not all the level like Hail to the King Baby at that, not that level where I'm kissing all the girls, but like at this level of I've had enough of this demon onslaught happening to me mm-hmm. and I can't take it anymore. And I'm tired of all of you not understanding what's going on and we need to form a plan and if not, get out of my way. Like I related to that and I went, I haven't seen anything like that an action hero is always like wise and loved by everybody and then here's ash like burping <laughs> like, like somehow has a chemistry book in the back of his his car and i my of my favorite throwaway lines is like you don't understand alloys and compounds and you're just like Molecular this guy's riding the line between being an absolute idiot and also really smart and he's yeah. sort of neither and feels, I get that. It's relatable. It's human, you know? He feels almost like a parody of the 1980s action hero. Mm-hmm. Yes. That we had kind of grown to know around that time. I mean, Die Hard's only four years away, and Bruce Willis kind of on his face just changes the entire direction of action movies. But like, it seems very much like the Bruce Willis like kind of persona matched with all the machismo and 
dare I say it, toxic masculinity of the action heroes that preceded him, of, of your Stallones and your Schwarzeneggers and, you know, all of those people. Um, and it feels like Raimi and, and Campbell are just kind of going, but this is completely ridiculous, right? Right. Like you understand yeah. this is so dumb. Yeah, he's almost yeah. like, that's apt. Cause I think he's almost like the, the working class hero, but in a way, like he's not a hero at all. Like usually right. the working class hero is like, you know, this like moral ethical hero, or at least what the unethical things they do are presented to you as ethical. As we're like, Ash sucks. Working class anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever yes. he just whenever he just does anything for himself, it horrendously backfires. Yeah. Like that's one of the things is like you see is like whenever there's like a selfish moment, it just goes horribly wrong for him. And what's like funny about this what well, about this movie is how when he like casts aside the selfishness he's able to bring, he's actually like pretty damn competent overall. And he gets a pretty good run of luck. Um, but you know, the same Ash that could barely get out of his own way in the first evil, like you said, Stephen, like this movie takes place over like two days, basically. Oh, you didn't say that. You I said, said that in the last recording. Yeah. That in the unrecording. Here, so let me, let me say that again. Yes. What Let's, I realized this time. Stephen, tell me about your theory. Hold on, Stephen. You know, because this this will tie into what I'm going to say in a moment. But tell me about your fascinating insight that you may have made out of mention before about the timeline of the Evil Dead movies. So what I realized on this rewatch is that much like the John Wick franchise, um, which is you know one of the great franchises of our day, the Evil Dead franchise takes place over like two or three days. Mm Like from from the time they get to the mm-hmm. cabin until the end of Army of Darkness, yeah. you're looking at a two to three day time frame. Yeah. It's like the second, third, and fourth Friday the Thirteenth movie, which somehow also take place over a weekend. Yes, mm. weirdly, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Don't do it quite as well, but no. But yeah, it just it struck me as really odd, and I think kind of may help to explain the progression of Ash as a character. Because when you've seen that much shit and come face to face with this eldritch horror in the middle of the woods and then suddenly find yourself 600 years in the past, um, yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to kind of snap a little bit. Also, over that same weekend, he went from being like a college student to having a managerial position at or at a local S-Mart too. So, right? You know, it's very... Yeah, when did... Well, he could have... I feel like he could have been both of those things at the Maybe. same time. Working his way through school. Yeah. Maybe. I worked at the That's mall when point. I was a student. True, true. Okay, good point. And let's be honest, it was probably his experience in the Middle Ages that gave him, you know, the competency to actually pull off a managerial Maybe. position. He was probably Absolutely. just housewares before that. But... I wonder how you would put that in your I resume. I want to see that like... resume. Yes. <laughs> Once like, led... what's Ash's resume? <laughs> Understands <laughs> alloys and molecular structures and... Able to bridge the peace between Eric the Red and, you know, Henry. Yes. Make gunpowder in the Middle Ages. Homemade explosive made the death coaster. Held 60 men. That's a bonus on your resume. Made made his whole, his mechanical hand. Drew a second head. Yes. Functioning. Yeah. Drew a functional second head. Once had multiple clones of myself (laughs) try to kill me. We'll give you a shot. We're gonna start you. We're gonna start you at minimum wage. We'll see where we go. Oh my god! You got some great promise. reading comprehension. Put you on a thirty-day trial. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like linguistics. Like, yeah, not like a these two languages. <laughs> so, uh, 
On the downside, I have had many of my closest friends killed and have had to decapitate them. And oh, two of them, God. two of them melted. But, you know, you kind of need those flaws on your resume. You don't want to be too perfect. So Right, right. What's your greatest weakness? Well, there was this one time in this cabin, my girlfriend and I. My three, my three <laughs> girlfriends, my three they joined Linda. Linda. <laughs> my three head Linda's. in a vice while she screamed at me. And yes. then ultimately... That there was this so chainsaw. I cut off my hand. It's a whole thing. It's a, I don't want to get into it. It's just not appropriate for this interview yeah. here today. No. <laughs> it's, a it's a trigger. I like the cut of your jib, kid. What I like about this, the ash of this movie, you see, has like the straight man looks of like a Bud Abbott, but he has like the physical uh, comedy of like a Lou Costello, basically. Perfect. Like he's very nice. able to kind of like combine those two things into one. And at this point, he's worked with Raimi so much. Like he knows exactly what he, what Raimi wants to get from him. And he's, because of the close friendship they have, like dating back to their childhood, he puts up with a lot more shit than I think most people are going to put up with. Like he gets the crap kicked out of him on this role. They talk about one, uh, he cut his chin on like the breastplate of, of, a, of one of the uh, props. He had to go to the Not emergency the room. Not the chin. That's the money maker. Not the so chin. you have to take care of that. Not the chin. They talk about going to the ER and they're trying to find the cut. And he's got all of these prosthetic cuts on them. And he's like, ah, uh, it's this one over here. We yeah, they had to like point, point it out. Yes. I um, mean, again, a hundred points of the makeup artist on this movie, because first of all, love that they couldn't find the real cut. But second of all, they are placing real the cuts on his like contour, like way ahead of the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Way before, you know, Instagram was telling us we had to carve out our cheekbones. Um, not that that's like a new technique Instagram invented, but we'll talk about that in another podcast. But um, yeah, we're getting like cheekbone blood and eyebrow blood. It looked great. It was a great way for me to draw on my own cheekbones when I dressed as Army of Darkness, Ash. 10 out of 10. And I love that it was an issue in the emergency room. They're like, hmm, which blood? And I think what we what he doesn't get enough credit for is he doesn't just play Ash. He plays mm. Evil Ash, which is a different character. Mm-hmm. He also Ash. plays all the Lilliputian Ashes. Yes. So there's yes. like this impish, almost gremlin-like quality to those. Like there's just like delightfully evil in the most fun way. And those are three different roles that he has to kind of pull off under this guise. And I think there aren't a ton of people that can do that. I mean, we saw... Christopher Reeve try it in Superman three. Hmm. And God, I loved me those first two. I loved me those first two Superman movies. I love me oh, yeah. some Richard Pryor, but oh, yeah. Superman three is not a good movie. No, <laughs> <laughs> you can't even pretend it is really. No, you really can't. You really can't. I mean, you believe a man can fly, but you will not believe that Superman 3 is a good movie. No. So I think, you know, <laughs> I would say Bruce Campbell pulls off, like, again, like even before the makeup, like the whole like playfulness of that character, doing the little goody two shoes act and just like yes. embracing yes. the ridiculousness of that character is great. What are, what do we all make of Ashes? Because I think what we love about this movie, it's the one liners. Oh yeah. Yes. It's the brilliance. Yes. So like and all of them are from this movie. Mm-hmm. All like mm-hmm. all of them, which is again so bizarre because I think most people go to like Evil Dead 2 is like what they assume Ash because mm-hmm. it's 
evil dead proper right um with the jokey ash but like everything like i you know hail to the king i mean aside from groovy i guess that's from the yeah. second but yeah that's the only i was gonna say one of the well-known yeah, yeah there's a groovy but i don't think he says come get some in evil dead too i think that's also army of darkness mm-hmm. Who wants he does some? say it in army of darkness but i don't remember if he also says it in two yeah. um yeah i always go to hail to the king and come get some what about you one of the things that hit me on this last rewatch wasn't even one of the one-liners, but it's his performance when he's like going to get thrown in the pit. And he's like, wait a minute. I didn't even know these assholes. Like it's so <laughs> over the top. You know? So you got to tell him. It's like not one of the most famous lines. That and when he's like comes back from getting the Necronomicon and everyone's crazy. like, you know, he's like, get the fuck out of my way. He's just oh my God. so all done with it. It's beautiful. That makes me howl every time. And specifically yeah. <laughs> watching it, whatever, two nights ago, mm-hmm. I cried laughing yeah. when he says, get the fuck out of my face. It's so funny because <laughs> he's in like medieval times and they don't really lean into like a very hard medieval like accent or way of speaking. Mm-hmm. They don't no. like really, they don't go no. all the way. But it's just so clunky to have this like modern day dude mm-hmm. with a belt on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who's just like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, you know, so much of that works. Yeah. It's very Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, just with yes. a lot more bloodshed and demons. So, oh yes. my God. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think Campbell plays so incredibly yeah. well. Yeah. Just like yeah. he knows the right things to do to set him far enough apart from literally everyone else in the movie. And I think that might be part of why he leans so hard into what he does that becomes the definitive idea of Ash is just to distance himself even further from these very kind of stuffy, proper old English individuals. And it it works so well. Yeah. And I think that delivery also, the reason why I love that delivery so much is like, it's always like the simple physical stuff that really makes me laugh. And Raimi's got that whole, you know, the close-up of the face, the eyebrow with like a whooshing sound. And almost all of Ash's big lines are that like Raimi dead look yes. in his face. Mm-hmm. But the reason why the get the fuck out of my face makes me laugh so much is he's not looking at the camera. He's just like continuing yeah. on his way. Like he's walking mm-hmm. away towards a wall and he just says it casually. And that's yeah. what is just so funny. It's <laughs> almost like a moment, you know, it almost feels like a moment that shouldn't have been caught on camera. It almost feels like an, a happy accident because yeah. you're right. It is so different from the rest of the shooting style. Kat, you started to cut in there as well. Like what are your, right. some of your favorite like ashisms? I think my favorite one, honestly, is the one I relate to, which is the Klaatu Barata. <laughs> because, like, I am one of those people who just does not read the instructions. I'm like, I don't have time. We're making mm-hmm. this. Whatever it is, yeah. we're making it. I'm like, bookshelf, don't need instructions. It's pieces of wood and nails. And then I'm like, wait, might want to read the. Mm-hmm. I- I'm that person who's like, I got your words. Yeah. Wait. I okay so I feel like I know your answer now but I'm so glad you brought it up because I've seen this movie countless times I always try to remember it consciously and gone to my head I do not remember that incantation and I need to know if any of you can do it right now I can okay I I know as soon as you said that I was like she knows it no watch 
<laughs> other two. <laughs> Platu Verata Nikto. Yeah. Platu Verata Necktie. Necktie. <laughs> The, I don't know if it's just like my like lack of language. The aptitude. reason the I reason I know it. it is because it's it's an homage to the day the earth stood still. Yeah, that's, that's why I know it too. That's why I know it. Of course. It. Yeah. That's why I, I was like, wait, I deep dove after that movie and was like, where's that from? And mm-hmm. I watched the day the earth stood still in black and white. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Which is now I'll never forget one of my it. favorite sci-fi movies, the day the earth yes. stood still in black and white. So good. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Me and Keanu Reeves. And it's not. <laughs> it's, you said it this time. I didn't say it. And it's not just the fact that he delivers that screw up. But before that, when he just stops, when he delivers the first two in this huge, like Ben Hure, Ten Commandments type of way. Like it's this huge yeah. moment. And then he gets that look that I think anyone, it's the look of a person that's forgotten their wallet after they've gone to the grocery yeah. store yep. and everything yes. is bagged up and there's a massive line. We've all been there. It's that. <laughs> totally. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, oh fuck, he's caught. Or the kid who like has to do the oral book report and it's only read the cover sleeve and then they get called on and they're like, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Amen. that look. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, yeah. So it's that. And then when he takes the book and he's like, we're cool. I said the words it's he's like trying to get like this like lowly human from the 20th century is like trying to bargain and negotiate with some unseen demonic power from like that from the you know the elder world he's like no dude it's totally cool i totally said the words you can just chill i'm gonna head out of here in my horse at this point and go like it's beautiful it's just no i think a lot of that is very indicative of that again kind of parody of the 80s action star who always knows the right thing to say and they don't have Mm -hmm. to repeat it and it's just like you know the perfect guy doing the perfect thing at the perfect time and then you get this bungling idiot who's like no 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 i've seen action movies i know how this works yes and then comes in and just egg all over his face and the only other person i know who can play that kind of imperfect like action hero is harrison ford no like he's the only other guy like indiana jones is very much that kind of a character where you Mm -hmm. know very beginning he pulls out the bag of sand and he's weighing it and he's taking some out and he's looking at it and he makes the switch and you're like oh it's all good mm-hmm. and the thing goes down and the wall starts shaking you just see it on his face oh mm-hmm. shit and immediately the first thing you see him do after seeing him just be cool 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 is screw it up yep. and and that is the exact same kind of energy that ash williams has in this movie yeah yeah apt apt, apt that's an excellent i think that's an excellent comparison right there mm-hmm. um and now I kind of want to see Bruce Campbell in an elder indie type role, a mentor Absolutely. type role for a young yeah. indie would be amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit, again, staying on Bruce Campbell, because I think like this is really, this whole episode is going to end up being a love letter to Bruce Campbell. As it should be. Yeah, my life is. Yes. attempt to somehow get him on the show one day. Just Hopefully, Bruce. Yeah. Well, Bruce, we know oh you're God. listening. Yeah. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, 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 Brucey. Talk about like some of the physicality of his role in this movie, because like there are some crazy good stunts, but not only stunts, like just, just some of the, the movements he does as well. And how they shoot him is just fantastic in this movie. The, yeah. You know, please. I was, I, I, uh, I had the anchor Bay uh, DVD of mm-hmm. army back from 99 mm-hmm. and I watched uh, the, there's a, um, a special feature. the one special feature on the disc 
is it's a little documentary about the effects team mm-hmm. on the film. Um, the people that did all the prosthetics and the skeletons and everything. And they talk about the fact that no one does reverse acting better than Bruce Campbell. Yes. 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 Like the scene where the skeleton arm goes up into his mouth was shot completely in reverse. And the only reason I knew that it was is because I was paying for whatever reason, very close attention to the dub this time that I watched it. And Uh I noticed his lips weren't quite syncing with what the character was saying. That's the only reason I figured it out. And it was a happy accident because I just, what I happened to be paying attention to this watch through. And that thing goes up and really it's, they, he had in his mouth and they just pulled it out. And he, so he did like the coughing, sputtering and all of that, like, after the fact and it like it was happening forwards it's insane that he could act backwards like i didn't even know what backwards acting was until i was like studying up on the show for the show and i was like what is reverse acting what and that was the first time i'd heard of it and that everything he did was basically in reverse mm-hmm. and i can't believe and then they also had that where you had to punch certain skeletons a certain way against a green screen Mm-hmm. And they would call out the number of what he was supposed to do. And it was like in the 30s and 40s, you know, move 36, move 37. He knows he's got to like mm-hmm. hit, punch, kick and memorize all of those moves. And then like be able to physically throw himself. He's like a stunt man. I cannot yeah. believe it. There's, the amount. Yeah. There was um, the making of documentary of this, which is like about 90 minutes long. It's a really fun documentary to watch. They show clips from the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards where like this movie cleaned up and they show Bruce go up and he just starts being able to do like these physical flips, like on the spot, able to like just do the pratfalls and he just does a number of them. Like it's no one like easy to do. Um, And I couldn't believe it. I saw that clip. So Campbell talks about the one thing they didn't get is like Raimi had this idea to do this massive like go from the bottom of the castle up each layer one long shot because at this time like Raimi's cut his shit down he knows what he wants and it's the one thing like he's like we tried for like a whole day to get it we could not get it and Raimi just is like well I guess my actor can't do what I want to do so we're gonna have to like cut it into a thousand different <laughs> pieces now like berates him in front of the in the kind and gentle way that I think Sam Raimi can do where he's pissed, but he's also kind of understanding. Um, but other like he talks like how much, like I want to talk really quick before we move on. I want to give a shout out to, because one of my favorite scenes is Patricia Tallman is the possessed witch in this movie. Like that scene that was added in after the fact, one of the things I love about this movie um her movements in this role are fantastic. Like she has that very, it's a very theatrical style where she like, it's almost like the Michael Jackson thriller video in the way like the, the dance moves and the way the zombies yes. move. Um, I stand corrected, Lindsay, I apologize. Um, I love she throws her arms back and then just comes rushing at him and it's like she's i believe she's on a dolly when they do that it's so much fun to watch it's so much fun to watch that scene and there's a shot in it that i love and it's something the evil dead remake i think dropped the ball on in the um basement scene 
you have like Sir is it Sir Richard or Sir Edward, whatever the main the Sir Mullet hat he is yeah. leaning over he's got the point of view of over the shoulder of the witch. And she just opens her eyes. And I just love that shot every single time where you know the shit's about to go down. Like she's just okay. drawing him in. Um did I have anything else on Bruce? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask. So Kat, you had talked before, I think we were recording about your love for the Warner Brother cartoons and how you like when growing up, watching them with your dad and kind of bonding over them. What do you make of like to me, like this performance from Bruce or a moments where it's really cartoony in a way that, and I literally mean it's like a live action cartoon, the way he's able to kind of contour his body and face. Yes, I think for that reason, the part that the, my favorite part of the movie is the windmill sequence. And of course, when he's like debating about the three books, those are my mm -hmm. two favorites. I was rewatching it last night. Like, what are my favorite moments? Those are the two. Mm -hmm. And it's because of for, I like every moment where Ash is by himself and having to deal with the physical comedy of keeping us entertained yeah. the entire time. He's just alone. And I remember um, learning about an evil dead Two, like Dino De Lorenzo. It's like, no, we can't have just him in the cabin. Mm -hmm. But those are my favorite parts is when yeah. it's just Ash acting and then him versus the little uh, little fusion versions mm -hmm. of himself. Like, I really believed those were little demon versions of him mm -hmm. because he really gets into the that role yeah. of being impish and yes. like clever. And I wince every time he steps on the nail. I know yeah. it's coming, mm -hmm. but every Doesn't single matter. time and I think my favorite part about the physical comedy of it is it's always and then and then each yep. action is a direct consequence of the previous one but it's yep. always funnier and funnier and funnier and just builds and builds like all right he stepped on nail now his face is on the stove and now like it just continues and it gets so much worse but i find myself laughing and cringing at the same time which is to me sam where i'm if i'm laughing and cringing it's a sam raimi movie yeah. um it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of pain. Like yes. it's one yes. thing after another, <laughs> after another. It's incredible. And there's like an incredible fluidity to everything. And it all makes sense when you watch it. It's just, it's amazing to watch. Um, there there are two directors that I think do that live action comedy thing really, really well. And it's Sam Raimi and it's Joe Dante. Like those yeah. guys just mm -hmm. know how to craft live action scenes in a way that just feels so chaotic mm -hmm. and frenetic. And with Raimi, it's not just the actors acting, it's the camera, which I was mm -hmm. so impressed by this time, just how frenetic and chaotic yeah. it is, but at the same time, so incredibly focused. Uh, and the editing too helps with that a lot. Like the, mm -hmm. the bam, whip pan editing um, in this thing, just quick cuts and, yep. It, it feels like a Michael Bay movie, but it looks way cooler somehow. Yeah. Like it's- I thought oh, you were gonna so say Raimi and Werner Herzog is basically what I thought <laughs> you were gonna say, but. I mean, I have, a, I have an Orson Welles thing to bring up later, but that's later. Uh, sure. yes. Okay, we'll save that. Please don't forget. Oh, um, don't worry. Okay, so speaking of Raimi, like, you know, this is the movie where De Laurentiis gives him $8 million to make the movie. Universal kicks in another like five or six million dollars to help finish it as part of a deal they have with Laurentis because they're pretty happy with how Dark Man turned out. Yeah, movie that he you know made for fourteen and it made like fifty close to sixty million dollars. So they're like, hey, we want to be on the Sam Raimi train. 
at this point. Proto Spider-Man, except yeah. not at all. Right. So yes. you have like <laughs> you have this, you know, like we're getting it out of the cabin this time. And there was some talk that we do part of the movie in the cabin and like, nope, we gotta get it out. Um, so you get um, the Mojave Desert, which hasn't often been mistaken for the majestic fields of England many, many oh my times. Gosh. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but what you have here, like they build two thirds of this castle and then they do these beautiful matte paintings for the other third of it. They build this windmill, they build this beautiful cemetery. And what you have here is like, like I said, what, and it's gonna be interesting when we talk about the remake in two weeks, what comes across in all of the Evil Dead movies and especially in this one, you know everything that Sam Raimi loves by what he puts on the screen. Mm-hmm. Huh, you know that yeah. he has a love for yeah. the Three Stooges. He has a love for Harry, um, the Harry Housen movies. He has this incredible affection for the Universal monster movies. I mean, that cemetery and that windmill mm-hmm. is straight out of James Whale's Frankenstein. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Just yes. could be like a replica model of that. Um, those are the kind of things you see. The love, and you see that love for physical comedy, for the kind of banter that, like, um, you know, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin had with one another. All of those, even like Ash, like when he gets when he gets bitten by the Necronomicon book, and it finally flies back into place, and he's like, "I'll get back to you." That's a classic Mo Howard from the Three Stooges line when Larry Fine would piss him off. Like that yes. is straight from like a half dozen Stooges scripts. Um, yeah, I love that, that he wears that on his sleeve. Yeah, and God, like watching, loves. you know, Cat. You mentioned like those things, like watching the Spider-Man behind the scenes and him throwing things at Tobey Maguire. When yes. you watch, when you watch any of the making of Evil Dead documentaries, this one in particular, there's this infectious joy that comes across when Raimi is directing, and he gets everything he wants. But he is like, there is no place in the world he would rather be than behind that camera. And he's making the movie with his brothers. He's making the movie with his best friends. He brings back the K&B crew. He brings back Joe LaDuca. Like, it is a family affair. It is a small troop. And there's something that is like, I am an absolute sucker. Or if you have a troop, like we are the, we work together all the time. I'm like, you make anything halfway decent and I'm in. it feels like it's still that way all these years later like at ghost house it's Mm -hmm. very much a family Mm -hmm. like they all treat each other like they are family they want to come back together to do the same projects Mm -hmm. i'm so excited about the video game Mm -hmm. that we're going to see characters from army of darkness in it (laughs) and the tv show like Mm -hmm. evil dead 2 we're gonna have everybody i'm like i'm freaking out about the game Oh gosh, I completely forgot about the game until right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember that trailer and people were like, who's that? Who's that? And I was like, it's literally like, I was like shrieking Kelly. I think I wrote the, was like, like, Kelly. the name Kelly in all caps, like 56 times the day that that trailer came out. <laughs> Me too. I was freaking, I was like, it's Kelly and it's King Arthur. And it's like, how do you not know who these people are? <laughs> uh, Kelly. Oh, Kelly, my, my favorite. I love her. <gasps> Me too. It's a great show. I need to finish that show. I've done the first two seasons and I need to finish. It's it's good. Yeah, it's it is a good. lot of fun. Oh. It could have been bingeable. so bad and it's yep. not. It's good. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, 
That's my review on the professional, by the way. So what are completely back up Lindsay it's amazing I love it I think I watched the first season in a day just like I'm gonna throw it on in the background and just kind of do some work and I'm like I'm gonna now put my work to the side and sit here and just like watch this whole first season and it's easy to get through I've seen the pilot like three times oh I watched it like as it was on so I watched one episode at a time like Wow. Me too. I watched is... weekly. I watched every time it came out with a friend. We invited her over. Mm-hmm. I didn't have <laughs> stars. It was, yeah, um, yeah. It was included with a package that I had for a while, but then it In Canada. And then I think it was Canada like season gets... three. Well, we just, you know, listen. It was like <laughs> the, one of the seasons, I can't remember, they like got rid of the package, but you could get like 30 days free. So mm-hmm. I like waited till it was all on there and then mm-hmm. got my 30 days. That's the move. Yep. And I literally like this, literally it was for Ash versus Evil Dead. I like called and added it. And then they were like, okay, great. So you just call back in 30 days. You don't want to renew it. And I was like, no, you can just cancel it now. <laughs> she was Because you have to like cancel it a month. Mm-hmm. Like you cancel it for the next month. I'm like, yeah, you can just cancel it today. She's like, you just what? added. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. But if you just cancel it now, then I don't have to call you again yeah and i've got the month i had to do that today like i did the trial run for slate because they upped their price and i'm like i need to like just want do i really want to spend 60 for the year and i literally i think with an hour left like canceled before i got hit with the 60 dollar charge so i've missed that charge so many times oh my god it is the worst feeling it's the worst feeling i've done it with Um, stars at least twice too Yeah. yeah So Let's call and cancel on the same day. But it can't. Yeah, so you got stars in Canada. So in Canada, you we get healthcare. You get stars. I was going to say healthcare. We don't have Hulu. Rolo drink. Hulu's there. <laughs> but Hulu's hey, as long as you have Amazon Prime, you can watch Burn Notice. So that is true. And we get a lot of Hulu on our some of Hulu on our affiliate, but it's usually later. So any Hulu yeah. originals. Yeah. All right. I'm not so, much. Important stuff. Yeah. Important riveting it's combo. Important stuff. So what um, are our favorite gags in this movie? Because one of the things is with the bigger budget, there comes like way bigger gags in this movie. So um, I know that like, I am a sucker for everything with the skeletons. You get Bill Mosley is basically the Goblin King, like Chop Top a couple <laughs> years later comes in and he's like put in under like a million pounds of prosthetic. He I is, never recognize him. It's weird. You, you don't. Yeah. yeah you didn't you know. He's also with the blob. Like Bill Mosley is one of the, um, one of the government agents that I think gets eaten by the blob. So, mm-hmm. you know, early Bill Mosley, who knew? I always um, have to be reminded he's in this movie. Like I'm watching the credits. Yeah. I'm like, Oh really? Bill Mosley. And then I'm like, yeah. wait, you knew that. Did I? Um... Yep. <laughs> but what are some of our favorite gags we get from this? The long sequence with the skeleton hands. Yeah. For no reason, I loved it. Every that should absolutely be <laughs> with the poking and his yep. mouth, and then the like that is absolutely the Three Stooges part of it. Yes. Like we're doing it. That's the Three mm-hmm. Stooges tribute. It doesn't get cut, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's I, staying in. I was gonna say literally just anything with the skeletons, even like the castle yes. siege stuff, where they're like shaking in their boots or crawling along the ground and muttering to themselves. I'm like, all of that is gold. I love all of that stuff. And the classic. The classic getting its upgrade to the Death Coaster. Is That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah, you got the skeletons. That's number one. And then my different answer was going to be the car. It's so Mad Max. Yes. It's like a Mad Max car in the vein of like a Dawn of the Dead car makeover. Um, 
And it's dope as hell. Yeah. That's and it. just like, it's, they make those blades out of like some like heavy duty styrofoam. So obviously nobody gets killed, mm-hmm. um, but they were strong enough to like really like bash into those things. And the folks from KNB talk about how like um, Ber- Howard Berger talks about going to Raimi and being like, all right, how many like deadites do you need in this shot here? And Raimi being like, well, how many do you have? Like yeah, 100 and- 175 of them. And he's thinking he's going to get like, just give us like 20. He's like, all right, we well, use 175. Yeah. Fuck. Next day, like, all right, next shot. Like, how many do you need? How many you got? 175 still. Yeah, give me 175 of them. And these things would get blown up, chopped mm-hmm. up. The effects people would literally have to like go back out into the field after grab all the pieces and just start like putting things back together Reassemble in order everything. to reuse them. That is that, a dream job. I'm sure there's like reasons why it's bad, yeah. but like the job, like that sounds mm-hmm. like a dream. They yeah. said what, 22 days without a break or something? Yeah, Burger Yeah, talks oh yeah. About I'm sure like they're like, Burger. I'm sure someone is listening being yeah. like, okay. It's not a dream. Um, yeah. Burger talks about like day. going to Rob Tappert and going like, dude, we got to talk. Like we're 23 days without a break. Like you've offered us this much money. We actually need this much based on- Oh yeah, it would be totally terrible. Yeah. I just mean, what a fun- micro version yeah. of micro part of that yeah. would be that what's your job oh i put the deadites back together yeah. on army of darkness yeah i mean well, sure yeah. you, you could drink out on that your entire rest of your forever right. i'm like but oh my at god the time, it's, it's pretty someone. crappy right. well what burger says is like when he tells tapper this we got to talk tapper's like great not a problem i just got to go over there for a minute give me a minute then you know i'll be right back <laughs> bunch of time goes by burger's like where's rob Goes up to one of the crew members. She's like, hey, have you seen Rob? He's like, yeah, he's over there. And he looks over to the distance and there's Rob Tabbert driving off in his car as fast <laughs> as he possibly can to get out of paying the guys from K&B like the extra money yep. at that point. He's like, well, I guess, you know, we're not getting any more. I think yes. that story is hilarious. Yeah. I do too. I love it so much. <laughs> my God, like Nicotero, Burger, like they're like, this is the era of them. And Nicotero talks about this. This is one of the last like, they're using no CGI. It's all matte paintings. It's all practical effects. It's all puppetry. And you're a couple years, like this is filmed in 89, 90. Um, you are a couple years removed from Jurassic Park coming out and everything starting moving towards CGI. So this is like the, almost like a last gasp for practical mm-hmm. effects it's like 93 it's like the next year or the same year depending on what yeah. release date you're looking at yeah 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 so it's just the creators of uh spiral recently posted today that most of what we're gonna see in the movie is practical i just thought i would let you all know yep. i heard nice. about that I really hope that's I true so excited. Mm-hmm. i've been loving that creep show has practical and also yeah. that there was an evil dead nod it was so good oh yeah we talked about that it was um, so good before yeah we'll get to it that was our family show. Like Creep Show was our family show every week when the new episode would premiere. We would like grab a pizza and the new season was fucking perfect. Like I, I liked the first season. Season two mm-hmm. is like, this is my favorite show in the whole world. I, will get I there, love I this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. A couple things like when you get Sam Raimi, a couple of things he wanted to use that he never got to do. Um, one was having Ash like hide in a closet during the battle scene and like having kids drag him out. This yeah. is the greatest thing. Raimi wanted to have Ash and a group of kids during the battle go outside of the castle, 
and meet the deadites and basically make a peace offering. Like Astra's going to be like, hey, let's not fight. Here's a peace offering. Can we all be friends? And that was going to be rebuffed in a very violent way. So Ash hightails it back into the castle and shuts the gates, leaving all these small children outside to be encountered by an army of deadites. And you weren't going to see- I wonder see, why that got cut. Yeah, you weren't going to see what happened to them. So Typical Ash though, right? Typical Ash. Like, like that would have it. been peak we Ash right there. Yeah, that would fit. That would absolutely fit. Um, but things are cut for budget reasons. Um, things are cut, you know, like you're just not able to get every single thing they wanted in. Um, I just am tickled. It's not a gag, but I'm tickled by the fact that like Ian Abercrombie, who plays Mr. Pitt in Seinfeld, yep. the man who would eat a Snickers with like a knife and fork, the man who loved Woody Woodpecker, just has this like totally bizarre role. Next stop, Pottersville. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And his timing is so good. Like the scene with the witch we talked about when the witch drops a quarter of a second later, he's like in the shot. Like this is the kind of madness will happen if we don't. It's like comical how quickly he's in that shot. He's so good. Yeah. And Ian Abercrombie is one of those actors. Like, I feel like he's been in everything Mm -hmm. and he kind of has, but none of it's stuff that I've seen. Mm -hmm. But every time he pops up, I'm like, oh, it's Ian Abercrombie. I love that guy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's just great. You get Ted Raimi doing Ted Raimi things. Oh, where yes. He is like not the MVP, but he's the sixth man. Like he would be the sixth man award winner. Like he does a lot of the voices. He does the voices of all the miniature ashes. That's Ted Raimi. Yes. Um, and he has like four different miniature speaking roles in here. He's like, you have my steel. It's probably the most. So I yep. just love him. Like again, Ted Raimi popping up in things. Always a fan of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the brothers of famous directors who like to put their brothers in everything, Mm -hmm. um, Ted Raimi better than Clint Howard, for sure. Definitely better than Frank Stallone. Oh, without (laughs) for sure. (laughs) There's definitely a hierarchy here and Ted Raimi's very near the top of it. If not at the pinnacle. (laughs) Are Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid related? Yes. yes, they are brothers. They're brothers. So definitely above Randy Quaid. Oh, I mean, okay. Randy Quaid is, is you dig a hole yeah. past bottom yeah. and then Randy Quaid's yeah. somewhere down there. He's somewhere in the hole. Yeah. Like, who knew that Randy Quaid actually was Cousin Eddie from their Christmas vacation <laughs> movies? Small, like, Cousin Eddie is an excellent character. It's, it's, it's funny an when excellent it's character, pretend. except when it's a re- when it's pretend. When it's a when character, it's, it's yes. great. When it's a real human being, it's sad. It's well, very sad. Listen, I'm listening. Yeah, we're not gonna get into it. I, I mean, Jack Quaid is the best Quaid. That's all there is to that. Let's just get to that part. I don't know who Jack Quaid is. I'll buy that. Oh, um, Dennis Quaid's son with Meg Ryan, Jack Quaid of the Boys boys. fame. Oh, I have not watched the Boys of Star Trek Lower Decks fame of Scream Five fame. I haven't Uh, seen Scream Five yet. It's not. It does not exist. I know. Is it good? It does not yet exist. I love that franchise. Um, anyway, Jack Quaid, very great. Maybe the best Quaid. I don't know. Um, oh, speaking of Ted Raimi, um, we've talked a lot about the, like, theatrical versus the DVD ending. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think, so I saw this on streaming. I don't think I've ever watched it on, I don't think I've ever watched it physical. Mm -hmm. What's the difference and which one's which? Who would like to handle this one? Uh, I can take it if you want. My friend. Um, All right. I think I originally saw the uh, the original ending without realizing there was a second ending to be had. 
Um, but the original ending, um, Ash is handed the potion and is told to only take six drops and he will wake up in his own time. So he and the car get parked in a cave. They explode the cavern, so it's blocked off. He starts counting, uh, counts five, and then here's something, stops, and then starts his count again with five, six. So he actually takes seven drops instead of five. Uh, wakes up after a long sleep, covered in cobwebs, long beard, long hair, walks outside and uh, realizes that he is now in a post-apocalyptic future. Uh, post-apocalyptic England. So you've got Big Ben rubble. You've got futuristic buildings kind of torn apart. And he starts screaming like Charlton Heston at the end of Planet of the yeah. Apes. Yep. Um, cut, fade to black. And then the theat, which apparently was too depressing, yes. too negative, yeah. according to test audiences. Right. To which Bruce says, like, the movie's called Army of Darkness. What do you expect, right? Yeah, like, happy sunshine ending. A little grim for us. And it feels like the perfect Bruce ash ending it yes. really feels like he would do this and it was supposed to set up a sequel wherein he fights deadites and robots in a dystopian future which would have been freaking awesome yes um, oh my god right the deadite robot future thank I mean, you this is what i, I want that. <laughs> deadites meet skynet that's what that's all i want in life now um but so then they force everyone to come back and reshoot the ending uh, this is, you know, some of the some of the much studio meddling that happens in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and we get the the beloved uh, theatrical ending, wherein uh, he's back in the modern era, regaling a very bored Ted Raimi with this story. A deadite shows up out of nowhere. He fights it using um, a, a Winchester rifle from how, from the sporting goods department at Smart. And uh, has his big hero moment. Hail to the king, baby. Long extended kiss. Fade to black. Yeah, I prefer the theatrical ending. Yes. I think I prefer the theatrical ending. I like the smart ending. Yeah. It depends on the day you ask me. Some days Mm -hmm. I like the original. Some days I like the theatrical. I go back and forth. Mm -hmm. I can't say like... Sorry, go ahead. Well, if you watch the Ash vs. Evil Dead show, they kind of remixed that ending. I don't want to mm-hmm. spoil it if you haven't seen season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead, but right. it feels like they took original Army Darkness ending, original intention, but twisted it a little bit, pushed a little bit to fit mm. in the show. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I was one of those fans who was watching it weekly and was just so devastated by the news it was over. But then that ending for the show... That it's, made me feel a lot better. I was like, that was a great right. ending. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's a, if you haven't seen the show, that was a good hint at how it ends. And it was very mm-hmm. emotionally fulfilling for me. Excellent. At least it was for me. Same. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I'm like, honestly just mad I didn't get to see that season four, but I'm sorry, Lindsay. No, that's okay. We deserve it. First of all, it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Um, Doesn't mean I don't feel bad about it. We're getting it. more Evil Dead, so... Yes. Uh, like, let's be real. Um, yeah, I don't know which one I would say I prefer as like, as far as like an ending to the series, I think maybe the original is more fun. But honestly, the Smart ending is, ma- like I said, like my favorite scene in the whole series. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like Ash at his absolute finest. He's like, at that point, he is full Ash. He's so over the top. He is the Ash that like, you associate with him he's got his best moments his hail to the king is there his come get some is there it's all in that moment it's so silly and it's like 
to me, that's like definitive moment of the series. So I love it as a finale. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think this ending is so much fun. Uh, you get, again, the bored Ted Raimi is the best Ted Raimi. So um, you can like, oh, yeah. it's so like the good. elevator music gag, you know, and yes. then oh, it's so great. Or mm. I guess the Asmar music. It's so good. The action is absurd. Yeah. The shots yeah. of like the deadites going like up and, and Ash going up and over. And it's like the mm-hmm. looking up shots. Yeah, and just like the, the ping ponging around. Oh, yes. it just just the so the frantic pumping of the shotgun in like just perfect synchronous time. Um, and then like the the taglight hail to the king, baby. Like it's just the king, baby. it's I'm wonderful. Like, just... Which is like the quintessential line of the of the franchise, mm-hmm. right? Even it it's the last line, line of the yeah. last like, movie. It's, it's what the video like, game makes was named. no sense. Yeah. No. It doesn't. I was like, like those are that's like the best line out of it. To me, that one is the one Bruce delivers the most strong out of his mm-hmm. one-liners because the give me some sugar baby, whenever he says it, it almost sounds like he feels a little awkward saying it. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm not this kind of okay. But with Hail to the King Baby, he like believes it. He's delivering mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like, that's it. That's the end. Yeah. And then he goes yeah. in for that kiss tongue first, and we all have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And it will be restored in 4K at some point. Hear that mm-hmm. in your brain. There. Oh. So, Stephen, you mentioned like the studio interference really quick, like with the editing of this movie, fun story. Bob Murawski edits the first half of this movie up through the cemetery scene. Sam Rock Sandstorm Raimi directs everything after the, the climatic battle scene. Like he didn't get permission to edit. So he was like, fuck you. I'm just going to go in and do it on my own with a pseudonym. Rock Sandstorm. That is the greatest oh name of all God. time. It's up so there for sure. And what Raimi and Tapper do is they mess with Murawski. Because um, Murawski was kind of badgering them, like, do more horror, do more horror, do more horror. And he's like, dude, it's an adventure movie. Like, get off my back. Mm-hmm. So De Laurentiis would come in and be like, cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. Just do it. And he would leave. And Rainey would look at Murawski and he would go, you know, here's the deal with Dino. He's getting up there in years. His memory really isn't what it used to be. He just completely forgot everything you just said. Just do what we told you to do and then go show him the movie. Two week, in two weeks, so Murawski says, I went there. Two weeks later, I start showing my cut and Dino is as fucking sharp as a tack. Like his memory is perfect. He rips me a new asshole. He's like, I told you to cut this. I told you, didn't you take notes? I took out another I'm starting to write down notes. I'm like, I guess I'll cut. Like, I, I don't know what happened. I must have brought the wrong thing. And it was totally Raimi just fucking with the editor of this movie just because he could. Like, just like playing a prank on him. Like, it's pure <laughs> Raimi. What a dick, but also how dare you doubt Dino yeah. D. Right. Yeah. Raimi has got like a goofy David Lynch energy. Mm-hmm. To where yes. he's just like he's always like very happy and excited and enthusiastic mm-hmm. on set, but he's just the biggest goofball yeah. on the planet and pulls pranks on his friends and gets mm-hmm. just sheer joy out of like throwing a potato mm-hmm. at Bruce Campbell's head. Yes. Like, like, I'm so it, glad it, you uh, said David Lynch. It's like the energy of David Lynch giving the weather report every day. <laughs> yes, <YouTube>. absolutely. <laughs> I love it so much. I watch every episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Universal is then sued by De Laurentiis after putting out Silence of the Lambs. So the movie wraps, it's ready to go. They've got it cut. It's thrown on a shelf because Dino is like, I own the Hannibal Lecter character. 
and Universal says, no, you don't. And they take one another to the court, which is why we never got Clarice Starling in the amazing show Hannibal with the definitive Hannibal Lecter of our generation, Mr. Mads Mikkelsen. Um, yeah, so it's very sad. And it's why Hannibal Lecter cannot be directly named in the show Clarice, which I haven't seen, but my understanding is that's incredibly, they have to do incredibly awkward references to Hannibal Lecter to the point where he may as well be like Lord Voldemort and they might just might as well call him he who may not be named. Well, I, I don't know how it's manifesting in Clarice, but it's a timeline thing. Yeah. Um, it's what they can and can't catch up to. Yeah. So like the Hannibal series mm-hmm. um, can't catch up to Silence of the Lambs, but, but Red they Dragon is Silence cool. of the Lambs. Because they do um, Hannibal the they do Hannibal the movie in the Hannibal show. Yeah, they do Hannibal and they do Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. they do a little bit of Hannibal Rising. Yeah. But they're mm-hmm. like completely ignore everything that happens Silence with of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. That's it's a show so we sad. need season four of. That is a show. Yes. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. But once Universal and Dino get it straightened out, it's been another. So now it's two years since the movie is. Been, been you know shot and in the can and they're like you know what we don't want the name evil dead anywhere in this movie whatsoever like why would we want like the third evil dead movie to be associated with the first two so the original title was the medieval dead perfect um yeah perfect name for it love it absolutely love it i'm God, mad that we didn't get it right uh, you hear that and you're so like great. of course that why why are i'm throwing my glass off the table it just makes too much mm-hmm. sense right now um, Raimi was shooting for a PG-13 rating, hence like the move away from horror towards more fantasy. There's a lack of blood in the movie, aside from like the one um, fountain of gore. But even that is like done more for comical effect than anything. Yes. They submit the movie to the MPAA and they're like, this is rated X. Like, what, the, what are you talking about? It's rated X. They're like, what do what Campbell talks about? Like, what do we have to cut? And they're like, uh, it's the cumulative effect. It's like, no, you have to tell us what we have to cut. Um, and I think they just said they resubmitted it again and said, yeah, we cut some stuff and they got the R rating for it. I thought this was PG-13 for years, like literally up until I was yesterday days old when I realized this was an R-rated movie. Because it doesn't does surprise that it. it's R-rated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how at all this is r-rated like my kids have already seen this and they're five Mm -hmm. and eight like when Mm -hmm. my daughter found out it was doing the show she's five yeah she's like so when when do i get to watch army darkness with you again like i Mm -hmm. love that movie i love bruce campbell can i be on the show and i was like no i'm sorry Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can bring her on wake her up (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's it's probably rated pg-13 in canada so i would say introduce your eight-year-old to psycho gorman Oh my gosh, you know, he would probably love that. Like, mm-hmm. my daughter's very into gothic horror mm-hmm. and unicorns. Those Excellent. are two things, like vampires, gothic go houses, unicorns, pink, both things. And those my things son, yeah, I so see no I found out one of my best friends had never seen Evil Dead, right? And mm-hmm. I'm always that friend that's like, all right, we're sitting down, we're watching it. I gotta spread the good word. And so we were watching it in the sofa. My five, my son was five at the time and he snuck downstairs during Love the it. ending of Evil Dead, the first one. Love and it. all of the like stuff is like exploding out of the body, all the cottage cheese, everything. And my son was like, oh, loved it. 
his it's eyes were like fan. big and I turned around and there he is. I'm like, Oh no. And he said, but mom, I just want to stay. I just want to see this movie. It's only Play-Doh. Oh, you, your kid and I are going <laughs> to Those hang. are my children. I love it. That is the best. <laughs> Those are two great kids. I was like, it's good an argument as mm-hmm. that is maybe when you're a little older, mm-hmm. but I'll show you Army of Darkness. And he saw that and was like, I love it. I love this it. This is I a perfect more. kids movie. Like this really is like really a is. perfect kids movie. There's very little swearing. There's like one F-bomb. You, you know, there's like very little cursing. There's no nudity. The violence is like, you know, like, I guess if you are, you know, in the like pro-skeleton defense league, then you maybe have some issues with this movie because you're like, violence against skeletons will not stand. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, there's like not a lot of violence in this movie. It is it's just so much fun. It's so much fun. Um, last thing I have is like Joe LaDuca's score. It is the grandest, most operatic of them. Just beautiful. The choral riffs in it. The prologue is like this big sweeping epic. Um, so much different from what you get with the first Evil Dead, which is just a bunch of like cacophonic noise. Um, absolutely love what LaDuca does here. Uh, and he talks about how like he knew he had a really good crew when someone mentioned like, yeah, just do a B movie like Jason of the Argonauts. And one of the musicians was like, Jason of Argonauts is a fucking classic. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, I am with my people. And he talks about what wonderful experience he had doing this. So um, what else do we have to talk about? Is there anything I'm missing here that you folks? I I love that score. I want to add to that point Mm -hmm. before we move on, because like the vinyl came out, I think last year Mm -hmm. it was for, uh, the vinyl day mm-hmm. and I snatched that up so fast it's a beautiful edition it has like a print of all the mm-hmm. uh, like the characters on the vinyl and that score has stayed with me for forever I write yeah. to it um, I've memorized it at this point I think my favorite to write to is his you know epic sweeping the building of the deck coaster and I love that Danny Elfman contributed to the March of the Skeletons, because yeah. Danny Elfman fan for life over here. Just mm-hmm. love him. Love Oingo Boingo. Love all the soundtracks. Love him. So I was like, oh my gosh, I got Danny Elfman mm-hmm. for that. That's amazing. So I also big fan of the music and what they yeah. did. And I was always, so I don't know if you all check this out, that Bruce did the commentary um, virtually of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to do Army of Darkness. And he talks the entire time. He spends the whole time talking about the music and mm-hmm. the sound. And it's all—it's like he worked on it too. And he's really smart yeah. and knowledgeable about all the sound effects and really passionate about how they're done. And it's so crucial to horror to get the sound design right. We talk about that in horror video games where I mm-hmm. work all the time. Like the sound design is so important to really get the feel of a horror movie that like you have to have the right people on it. And he did... Um, a fantastic job on Army of Darkness. Like, that was such a good score. That is, like, Campbell and Raimi's thing. Like, our our guest on the original Evil Dead uh, episode, um, Jay Blake Rochetto, who's written the book Score to Death, Score to Death 2, talks about how, like, Campbell, he doesn't get enough credit for, like, his production knowledge. Like, he gets down and dirty, and he goes into the mixing studio, and when he goes in there, like, he gets his way. Um, he's really into creating Foley effects and a thing like Sam Raimi 
knows how to like sound engineer a movie like no one's business and it lifts like spider-man 3 i love that movie much more than most people do and in part because of the sound design of that movie like it boosts it from like a middling superhero movie to like something that is like holy shit this is great um so you're right like especially in horror and fantasy sound is the probably the most important element overall to like really draw you in cat have you heard the evil dead soundtrack reimagined the one that was released a few years ago you can find it on youtube and it's basically like youtube yeah, because it's no longer available because it's on Mondo, so they make four copies of it, and then people oh. sell them on eBay for thousands. But the Evil's Dead score reimagined, just like the, someone playing the vinyl of it, and I've been like writing to that and listening to it. It's gorgeous. It's Leduca like redoing the score with more money and a bigger orchestra. It's so good. Absolutely I strong will recommend. Absolutely add that to my just, list of writing music because yes, I'd I have not we're heard about do. that. Thank yeah. you. We're gonna pause the show. Go listen to it. Come back and let us know. What you think. <laughs> we got time. Um, we got, all night. got time. Yeah, we're here for a while. All right. We got all night, folks. What else do we have to say about the Evil Dead, Stephen? I was watching this movie. I'm, I'm drawn to battle sequences mm-hmm. and how they're shot, how they're filmed. Um, one of my, in fact, my very favorite filmmaker of all time is the great Orson Welles. Um, Citizen Kane is probably my favorite movie, which I know sounds like a cliche, but it's so freaking good. And I love it so much. Um, one of his very final narrative features is a movie called the chimes at midnight, uh, which if you've not seen is basically Henry V parts one and two, uh, a C or I'm sorry, Henry the fourth parts one and two, a scene from Henry the fifth and the Merry Wives of Windsor crammed into one movie. And it's fantastic. And he plays Falstaff and is the director of the film. There's this battle scene. Um, it's the Battle of Salisbury Plain, I believe. Uh, no, Battle of Shrewsbury. Sorry, Battle of Shrewsbury. The Shakespeare nerds will kill me if I get that wrong. Um, and the way he films it, because he's got like no money. Wells, late in his career, has absolutely no money to make anything. And so that, that battle scene is like cited often by filmmakers who need to like make battle scenes like Mm -hmm. seem epic with no money and no people. Like you've got like the same five people fighting and it's all done in close up and from weird low and canted angles to make it look like there's a lot more people there when really it's just five guys in the middle of a wide open space. And I got chimes at midnight vibes while I was watching the Mm -hmm. castle siege um, in this movie. And I, I got like goosebumps while I was watching. Cause I was like, this is, this is chimes at midnight stuff. Like, and I'm absolutely fast. Cause you can tell it's like 35, 50 people in costumes and like 12 skeleton puppets. And that's yeah. it. And just depending on where they put them, how they film them, how they shoot them. It seems like they've just got so no. much more there in front and it works no. so well. And I'm always impressed when I see something like that and I see it pulled off and I see it pulled off well. And so I was just like giddy, like scribbling going, is anyone else going to make the Orson Welles comparison? Because if not, I've got it. Um, just because that's me and how my mind works. And I'm a and big to me, it feels bigger and grander with more stakes than if you had just like put in 1000 pixel created soldiers. You know, mm-hmm. I've thought of this like, 
I don't I don't hate the Star Wars prequels as much as a lot of people do because I realize they're made for my daughter, not made for me. Um, yeah. But when you watch like the battle scenes, you're like, I'm not watching any people. I am watching a bunch of computer generated images. It kind of mm-hmm. like pulls me out of it at that point. Um, yeah, so I get what you're saying there. That's excellent. So that is our talk on the original Evil Dead trilogy, wrapping up with Army of Darkness. Um, which, folks, you missed the most epic Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula talk. I apologize, <laughs> um, but I didn't hit record. But this was a really fun talk. I think we recovered very nicely from my snafu from earlier. So um, it was a great episode. Uh, man. I want to thank our guests and I want to ask our guests, Kat, tell us about Jennifer Strange. Like, what is that all about? So, Jennifer Strange is an illustrated novel. I decided that when I come to the page as an author, I have that in common with Sam Raimi that I have fandoms I love and I wear them mm-hmm. on my sleeve. And it's almost like I feel if there's a creator out there, I really like, they put something out there. I want to write something back. So Jennifer Strange is my writing back to Evil Dead. I want to write a character that goes through the same sort of arc as Ash. Maybe not quite as much of an idiot as Ash, um, but she has this ability to give ghosts and demons a corporal body with a touch of her hand. Hmm. And it's a curse that's been passed down to the women in pairs. So there's always two sparrows, one that can summon, which is give a ghost or demon a body, and one that can banish, which can send them back across. Mm -hmm. But it always takes an amount of energy. There's always a cost. There's a physical cost to her body to give something else a body. So Mm -hmm. she has a mark slowly eating her. And it's going to pull her over to the other side. She keeps giving these Mm -hmm. paranormal entities what they want more than anything in the world, which is to cross over, to be living. And Jennifer is in volleyball practice one day, gets attacked by a ghost. It's trying to touch her, so she'll give it a body. Mm -hmm. And her dad doesn't explain what's happening, just drops her on her older sister's doorstep down Savannah, Georgia, and says, I have to go find something that I hope will end the curse. I didn't know if it was going to pass to you. Stay with your sister for like two or three days. Just if you stay here and just go to the school, I've enrolled you in school already. Like just go here and here, you'll be fine. And Jennifer gets completely thrust into this whole thing where she doesn't know why this is happening to her. She goes to school, gets attacked and finds out the cost of her power is if there's a demon, which is possessing somebody it has a messy result if she touches them. The demon gets a body and can explode right out of the host. Okay. Because it now has a physical body. It just rips the host in half. So it's this very gory young adult book. I'm very, I'm unflinching in that. Um, I wanted to write something that was almost like a B movie YA Mm -hmm. with a female lead. And I saw the Evil Dead remake, I saw Kelly, I saw what they were doing and I was like, I want more girls in an Evil mm-hmm. Dead universe that are at the at one time stumbling through it, trying to figure this out, but then also learning to kick butt. Don't They don't really know what they're doing. And there's also a rival family that wants Jennifer's power for themselves. And they've been hunting the Sparrow sisters down mm-hmm. for generations to use them to kind of set balance to the supernatural force. Yeah. So it's an interesting anti-hero story because 
Jennifer does want to use her power for good, but it's ultimately an evil superpower. Yeah. And, and I made the inside look kind of like Necronomicon because I can draw like this pencil style. Mm -hmm. So when we pinch the book, we're like, it's like scary stories to tell in the dark because I can draw like that. So there's this journal written by her father where she, she's left with this journal trying to figure out what is going on. There's all these incantations and symbols in there to fight demons, to ward off ghosts and what she's supposed to do, but none of it makes sense, but it's her parents' family history. So it's a family saga told over three books. Um, and the first book's out now. I've been selling uh, signed copies through Copper Dog, as I mm -hmm. mentioned at the beginning, in Beverly. The second book, we're still determining a date of when that's going to come out because mm -hmm. the first book went through misprintings. Amazon is still sending out blank hard copies of my book because of the pandemic, and they won't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. So I've been telling everybody, go to indie bookstores uh, or even Barnes Noble. Go to Barnes Noble. They have the correct mm -hmm. copy, but Amazon has always had the wrong one. They refuse to change the printing of it or fix it mm. or anything. So we've been waiting for the pandemic to kind of get a little bit better for distri distribution to get a little better mm -hmm. before we decide to put out book two because it's been such a mess in publishing right now. But I'm actually writing it starting next month. Okay. I already know everything that happens in books two and three. Mm -hmm. I wrote everything out. Um, I had to send it to my film agent. That's exciting. So I had to have a whole story Bible, all the characters, mm -hmm. all my demons. There's going to be like a 13 ghost situation with these demons. There's, mm -hmm. It's going to be a really good trajectory. I'm excited about it. But That's exciting. The core of it is these two sisters trying to come back together. It's a, it's a family story. It's a mm -hmm. drama, but it's also very bloody. Excellent. So for our listeners who want to learn more about it or follow you, where are the best places to do that? So the best places, I'm hanging out around Instagram a lot under mm -hmm. Kat, C-A-T, Scully, like Dana mm -hmm. Scully from the X-Files. It's my actual last name. That's not a pen name. My husband's last name is Scully. I like a link to buy your book. So Kat M. Scully on Twitter, Instagram. My website is katherinescully.com. Those are great places to follow me. And I'm super friendly. So you can always like reach out and say, hi, I'm an extrovert. It's like, I'm one of the few extrovert writers I know just like talking to people. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been a blast and you are welcome back i'm going to be sending you the list of titles we have coming up thank so feel you. free to hop on yeah oh absolutely yes, we'll oh, and i completely forgot i have to mention this so i work in video games too mm -hmm. and we have a video game coming out that is vampires and dating and it's a platformer called romantylvania Romantylvania. Oh, I love that song. All the horror people would love this. It's campy. It's so much fun. It's a Metroidvania. It, it's a and it's like dating werewolves and vampires and Cleopatra. It's like all the monsters, the classic monsters. What is Drac is on like basically a dating show and he's got to find his his love. And so what platforms is it coming? Is it coming on like PS4, Xbox? Yes, we're so lucky. It's coming out on all of them. It's coming out on Switch, PS4, Xbox, PS5. Coming on your PR list, girl. Yes, I would love that. Absolutely. <laughs> we're definitely looking for help boosting it. I can't believe my luck. I'm a huge gamer, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, my favorite video game in the whole world is Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite. Oh. 
that's what my team used to make. Mm -hmm. I'm working for a lot of the old Holy shit. previous devs that did mm -hmm. Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. It's incredible. And they also did the horror game Perception. Yes. About the blind protagonist, the haunted house. So that's my team. And they're doing an incredible job. I'm super lucky to work there. But yeah, I don't want to like forget to plug Romance Albania yeah, because oh my god, horror and people would love this game. <laughs> when does that come out? Like when is that gonna streak? So it's gonna come out March 2022, I think. Yeah. Sometime in 2022. That's our projected mm -hmm. date. But because of the pandemic, we're figuring out exactly what we're doing. But mm -hmm. we just got funded on Kickstarter, totally funded, so excited. Excellent. We're we're go, we're in go mode. I was actually exciting. building the game all day. And then came on yeah. here. So <laughs> yeah. Bioshock is probably one of my top three favorite games of all time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love it. Well, would you kindly join us again later <laughs> on? So. I would love to. I'm so happy. Excellent. Thank oh, you for having that. me. Absolutely. Now I have to do it because you said, would you kindly? <laughs> Absolutely. Steven, <laughs> tell us about the disenfranchised podcast because we should be mortal enemies, basically, because like we should. And yet we're BFFs, which I love. Um, I, honestly, I, I, it's going to be so hard to follow Kat, uh, cause, oh my gosh, all of that sounds so incredible. And I just have to talk about my podcast that I do with my buddy, Brett, uh, Brett Wright and I, we record a podcast, a weekly podcast about, uh, failed franchise starters, franchises of one movies that you can really tell wanted to be bigger mm -hmm. than they were, but for one reason or another, never made it past their first movie. Um, we've been doing this since... September of 2020, we started. Um, Mike, you were kind enough to join us for our My Bloody Valentine episode, which is one of my top five favorite episodes that we've recorded. Uh, we're going to have you back in February again to do the remake, I okay. hope. Little Tom um, Atkins, I, absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, we've covered, we've actually covered the Evil Dead remake is one of our, one of our mm -hmm. early episodes. Uh, recently, um, as of the release date of this, our latest episode will have been on 1993's The Three Musketeers mm -hmm. with Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt and Chris O'Donnell and Tim Curry and Rebecca De Mornay mm -hmm. and Gabrielle Anwar and a bunch of other people. Um, our next couple episodes, we've got some really good guests. Uh, a friend of Brett's is going to come on and talk about... Um, uh, to 2017's Power Rangers. Um, friend of your show, Brian Kuiper, yep. is kind enough to come on and talk Shocker with Excellent. us, which I am so excited to talk about. Uh, and then we'll finish out the month talking about Napoleon Dynamite with my friend Sean, mm -hmm. um, which I'm also looking forward to. So, I mean, we just we do all sorts of stuff, not just horror. Uh, we're going to start the month of June with an episode on Dead Silence mm -hmm. because The yeah. Conjuring 3 is mm -hmm. coming out. Dead Silence. And I don't have a guest for that one yet. Kat, are you down? I'm so down. Have Look me for that. Dead Silence. Absolutely, I will have you for oh Dead Silence. Oh my God, Silence. I love that movie. I love James Verbal Wan. Verbal Contract, yes. you're coming yes. on. Yes. I love it. I love this. I love it. Love this. Love what just I happened. love it so much. Um, it. So, I mean, but yeah, that's what we do. And we we have a good time doing it. Um, we've, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, we've done episodes on things as varied as... Beetlejuice and Space Trucker and just movies you've never heard of and movies you absolutely love all at the same time. And we've got so many more to choose. I've got a list of like 500 Excellent. movies. So 
if you if you guys know of any that you really want to do, oh, let me why don't know. You, and I will can you do me a favor? List those 500 sure. now alphabetically. Alphabetically? Sure. Actually, hold on. Let me get the Google Excellent. document open. And I will. Yes. Oh, no, you can do it. Okay, you have seven wow. seconds to get through as many as you can. Uh, actually, you I can do it chronologically if that no. would be better. Okay. So <laughs> no. for our listener, it would not be better. So for okay. our listeners... Where can they find where can yeah. they find the disenfranchised pod and where where can they follow you on the old socials? Uh, I am well the uh, disenfranchised podcast. We are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram at disenfranchpod. Uh, you can find episodes pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Podbean is kind of our home base. Disenfranchpod.podbean.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I am at Chewy Walrus. Mm-hmm. Chewy like the candy bar, walrus like the tusked animal. Uh, and I'm usually tweeting some nonsense or other about some stupid thing or other. So um, come come follow me. Uh, I also wrote a short story that I self-published. So, I mean, that's significantly less impressive, but it's called Henry Jacobs and the Three Nasty Nose Pickers. And it's about a kid who's such a loser that his imaginary friends hate him. <laughs> um, it may or may not be semi-autobiographical. <laughs> um, Ren, that's darker than the original Army of Darkness. It's 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 actually pretty funny. I th- I think it's it's bi- it's my sense of humor distilled into like twelve pages. It's like a dollar on Amazon if you want to buy it. It's only available on on Kindle, but you know, uh, I, I haven't seen a dime of any of that money yet. So apparently, I've not sold enough copies to warrant any kind of kickback from Amazon. So. But, you know, if you're feeling up for it and would like to buy that, I would sure Love appreciate it. Well, thank you. Steve. Same deal, man. We'll have you back on. I will get Thanks. you the list. And you'll be back on anyway. You'll be lending your talents for the already recorded um, Okinawa's ch- chapter one. So that's going to be exciting. Let me, let me sincerely say thank you for having me on. I have loved your podcast since early oh. days. Uh, I told you this when you came on our show, but I sincerely mean it. Like I was... I had just rewatched the Scream franchise for the first time in years, and I really needed to hear some like intelligent mm-hmm. people talking intelligently about that franchise. And I literally just typed it into Podbean, and I'd listen to one for about five minutes and go, "Nope." Listen to another, yeah. and "Nope." And then I hit Pod in the Pendulum, and I started. I'm like, "These guys are really good, and they have a lot of good stuff to say." And I've been a fan. I think you guys were like halfway through Critters when yeah. I started listening, so it's early Thank days so that much. I started listening, but. I, I have loved it since early days and thank you so much for um, letting me come and hang out thank with you. you uh, I have such a blast every That's time. That's like with doing this, you know, and I'll get into it maybe because this is a special anniversary as we record today. Um, but like, yeah, like doing this show has helped me reconnect with my brethren in horror in a way and have met some incredible people and made some incredible friends and like, you know, the three reason to do podcasts are really to make friends the money and the women really, you know, and you know, I'm one for three. So, you know, <laughs> fantastic. So, um, but it's, it's, you know, being able to do that and doing the script readings and the table readings, like bringing people together, most of which are strangers and like having a really fun time um, is really the reason to do all this. So I appreciate you coming on and can't wait to have you on again. Um, oh, thank you so much. And Lindsay. Speaking of favorite people and people I can't wait to speak to again, you are the hardest working person in show business, covering show business. You always got stuff going on. What do we got coming up for you? Where are we, where's, where is our writing going in the next couple of weeks? 
is our writing going? I've written some new film reviews. If you listen to our um, Patreon three up, you'll mm -hmm. hear which ones I liked. Uh, but also you can read my writing and find out if I like them or not. Um, some film reviews. I'm finally getting an influx of comics mm -hmm. to review, which is really exciting because I've been waiting. And so, yeah, stay tuned for a couple of those coming up from our good friends at Storm King Comics. Um, what else am I working on? The same old, we've been talking about it for months and months, but guess what finally launched my series on the best gaming and office shares for women is live. It exists on cgmagonline.com. The first two issues are out. By the time you hear this, the third issue might be out of six. So we've got Secret Lab covered. We have got the autonomous AI covered. We've got lots more coming for you. <clears throat> um, yeah, so pretty exciting. That has been a very hefty project. So I'm really, really happy very that cool. it's live. And I hope I can help some people pick comfortable chairs for their home offices. Very cool. Well, <laughs> listeners, I want to start. I want to give a quick shout out. We had a few new patrons join us over the past week or so. I want to say a thank you to Philip Squire, who joined us at the Jason level. Uh, the Scary Stuff podcast has just joined us at the Michael level. And Ve uh, Vegas Galband joined us just yesterday at the Ripley, the $10 level. So a quick shout out and thank you to Philip, to the, our friends at the Scary Stuff podcast and do uh, Vegas for really like helping contribute to the show. Like again, like the way that we're able to buy the special edition DVDs, the books, the equipment to actually do all this uh, is through your contributions. And it means a ton to me. Um, I know it means it's, it's, we really thank our patrons for that. Go to patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum and become a subscriber today you get a bonus episode every month you um at the very least we give everybody something um and we have other goodies as you go up the tiers um you can follow me at mike underscore snoonian as well as pod and pend over on twitter on facebook you can find us at facebook.com pod and the pendulum we have a small group that we run that's moderated that's a really friendly place um i you know don't you we, we could do more there but it's growing a little bit and uh, again it's like a real like our listeners that have joined have been awesome to one another um you can hear my other show psychoanalysis a horror therapy podcast where we cover horror through the lens of mental health along with jen Ferratu of losers club fame and Lara Undersall of Losers Club fame and Halloweenies fame. Uh, the Losers Club, which is apparently Stephen King's favorite podcast, uh, which is great. And we love those folks. Um, you can find us every Thursday. We drop a new episode. We alternate between comfort horror and the month's topic. And for the month of May, we are doing like the history of residential treatment. Um, and next month we are doing bad dads and daddy issues. So that is gonna be fun. Because I get to fucking talk about the stepfather, which is, I love that movie so much. Harry O'Quinn is amazing. Anyway, that is our show on the Army of Darkness. We have wrapped up the original Evil Dead trilogy, but there is more. In a couple weeks, we'll be back with a guest and we are going to be talking 2013's Evil Dead remake. How does that stack up? What do we love about it? Where do we feel like maybe it could have, you know, no. 
where does it fall in line with what we know and love about Sam Raimi's movies? Let's leave it at that for right now. To hear more, you'll have to tune in two weeks. Please rate, review, inscribe to us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Your reviews go a long way to helping new listeners find us. So give us those five stars and a few quick words means a lot to us. Thanks again. And I just want to say, as we record this, it is the two-year anniversary of this show launching. I did not think we would get to two years, uh, let alone plan out another year. I thought we would maybe get like 100 people a month to listen in and um, built a nice little community. And I love what we're doing with the show. I am so appreciative of anyone that's ever given us a listen left us a comment, interacted with us, recommended us to your friends. Um, This is my little baby. It has definitely kept me sane during the pandemic. I cannot wait for what we do over the next year. And uh, yeah, thanks for the first two. We got many more planned. Have a great night. Screwheads.